So we've been thinking. So we've been thinking. The podcast. In past episodes, we've taken some deep dives into school change, educational technology, and acting upon your values. Heavy stuff, no question. Which made me think, those topics are great, but at its essence, education is pretty simple. Just let kids learn, and when they struggle, help them. So I thought back to a presenter that I saw at ISTE this summer, who I think really gets that. His presentation was about personalized learning, and it was one of the best I've seen in a long time. But also, it was the most inspiring I've seen in a few years. So I decided that I have to have him on the podcast so that he could inspire you too. And oh yeah, did I mention he's only 13 years old? Uh, well, I am Austin Tong. I am 13 years old and uh, I live in Azle, Texas, which is a rural suburb of Fort Worth. And um, the district is very diverse economically wise. Like, I mean, there's some kids that have private jets and others that live in the car. It's Azle is really changing when it comes to education. Like we're doing more with technology, like iPads and uh, more AR, VR stuff. But um, it's, oh. well, you know, it's the education itself is, is becoming more digital. Okay. And we're, again, like AR, AR VR, that's mm-hmm. going to take over one day. But because students will be able to like travel or like see the, see the Parthenon in Greece um, and you could just do all these amazing things eventually in the future with, say, ARVR. Right. Um, and just so, so it sounds like it, you're, you see it as something that's going to provide people with a lot of opportunity, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, you're interested in technology and educational technology a lot, obviously. But we should let the listeners know. The reason that I invited you onto this show was because um, I went to ISTE in Chicago. I just happened to live in Chicago. It was convenient. I wanted to take in as much as I could. And so I went to go see my good friend, Shaylin, who's already been uh, a guest on the show. And while I was watching her presentation, I it just so happened that I was sitting next to your mom in the audience. And she told me how excited, and by the way, extremely nervous she was for you to be up in front of people talking. You know, I regularly talk in front of large groups of people, and I know that it still bothers me. So I was thinking to myself, like, she's got to be nervous, and you've got to be a little stressed out. But then you got up there, and you just talked and did a five-minute Ignite speech about something you're passionate about. Why don't you tell me about, one, how did you end up doing an Ignite speech? And then I'll follow up with another question to ask you, like, what was your Ignite speech about? How did you end up being on stage? Well, um, first, the well, the... Um, I've done two Ignite speeches. I did one at the ISTE in San Antonio and the one in Chicago. And the okay. first and in San Antonio, um, I had signed up for just a Minecraft poster session. And then ISTE contacted saying, would you like to do an Ignite? We, we didn't know what the heck was going on. Right. So, um, so we're like, sure. <laughs> and well, eventually, Eventually, you know how things turned out. Um, yeah, I got to do that speech. And then for Chicago, uh, we actually tried to see if I could do another speech in Chicago. and But we were able to. Personalized learning basically made it to where I could do that because of my topic. It's becoming more, it's becoming more and more talked about, but I'm trying to basically like break it to the people. Yeah. Well, I, I think I agree with you. Personalized learning is something I care a lot about. Um, and I 
know that people are talking about it. It's just, I've never heard anybody talk about it. Who's that young. And I think it's great because I think that sometimes we as adults think that we should be doing all the talking about what education should be like rather than um, listening and having people talk about what they really care about. Right. So, so you put in to do a, a presentation about Minecraft and they asked you to do it in, in Ignite session and you did an Ignite session on Minecraft. Uh, no, the Ignite session was on personalized learning. Oh, okay. Okay. So then that's, that's pretty amazing and awesome. So how did you start to care so much about personalized learning? What made you inspired to speak in front of a room full of adults who are all, who spent their whole lives talking about education? Tell us a little bit about your message and what made you want to share with them? Well, I think it's important to, for teachers to know what the students feel and how the students are, are acting dependent on the assignment. Yes, personalized learning means that a said kid can enjoy the assignment more. Okay. Where they'll actually like try harder and be more engaged in it. Why do you think a kid's going to try harder and be more engaged in, in a personalized setting? Why does that make sense to you? Well, it, it's because that specific interests are tailored to, to different learners. Okay. Like, people learn different ways. So if you can have um, guidelines based on what each student wants for themselves, they together can work harder on the assignment and retain more of the knowledge and uh, have more of an understanding of what they're doing. Okay, that makes perfect sense to me, right? So once you did your presentation, how did people respond to it? Uh, they were, they responded pretty positively. Right. And they're saying like, oh my gosh, how can this 13-year-old kid do this? But... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's pretty much how my response was. It's, it's not, it's, it's the thing. I, I've taught junior high before and I've worked a lot with students your age, but I think it was just something special about the fact that you were in front of a large group of people and you were sharing something that you felt so deeply about and that you understood enough to articulate it. Like I asked you why, and you can explain why that is. Have you, do you have any opportunities to do personalized learning in your school right now? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, it's, it's, it hasn't gone like, you know, full blown yet, sure. but run so like for pretty basic stuff where teachers are giving us different ways to complete assignments. Like okay. you can complete this as like an iMovie or you can do like a, or a Prezi or a Google slides or like on a, or on a sheet of paper. I mean, yeah. that's what we're doing so far. I think that's great though. I think it's, it took me a long time as a teacher to get to the point where I didn't care how a person demonstrated that they learned something. I just wanted to know that they learned how to do it. Actually, I have a saying for that that I tell my students so that I can give them a choice. At first, I started making certain assignments where they could choose. And then ultimately, I started to realize that so long as they could argue with me that what they were going to make showed that they learned, that it was almost better experience because then they would sit and argue with me like how they know and why this particular assignment is going to demonstrate. But they also had to think about what do they need to show me and what's the best way. So in a weird way, I think it made my students start thinking about not just the assignment that they were trying to finish, but really what they were trying to share. I think that changed my classroom a lot because I feel like it empowered them to make decisions. And I think um, I'll jump in here because Austin is in a unique position within our school district where we started partnering with the Schletzky Center when he was in kindergarten. The big moment uh, movement we had working with them was... um, really looking at what student interests were, uh, really knowing our learners. And so the teachers in our district have really embraced that mindset uh, Mm -hmm. from the beginning. So 
a certain amount of this personalized learning uh, environment, Austin's never really known any differently. It was when he started talking with some of his friends that he'd met on Twitter and uh, mm-hmm. met through the conferences that he started really realizing how other school districts don't always do what he's done, you know, what he's always known. Right. And so having them embrace this idea of what are their interests, how do they want to learn? Um, it's just natural. In fact, before you jumped on this podcast tonight, he's got a project that's due tomorrow and just kind of running through all the different ways where he could make that presentation and the guidelines that the teacher actually put out, there's certain parameters there. Uh, there's a structure, but how he wants to make his project project is relatively wide open. And um, so I, I think that he doesn't realize quite how special uh, his learning environment is. You know, I, I part of this project is interviewing um, some of my former students who've gone out into the work world to ask them, were you ready? What, what did you know? What did you not know? And we had a person last week who did a great job of explaining how she was put into a situation where no one was going to explain how to do something and that she had to make it up and put all the pieces together. So um, I, I kind of feel like, and, and I'm, maybe I'll just, the best way to put this out there is to ask you, Austin, like, do, do you ever get nervous when you're given a project like that where you have lots of choices because of all the choices? Is it ever stressful to you? Or do you feel like it's okay and that um, you're used to that now? Well, of course, there's like still the stress of having to, you know, actually put your mind forth to complete the project. Thinking about how you can do it, I mean, just that brainstorming process, um, it makes me feel like that I can actually, you know, do it. Right. But now I can spearhead it in my own direction. I mean, I can tell that you seem really comfortable with that idea, right? And I I think that sometimes when I talk to teachers, and I'm going to just go ahead and own it myself. When I first started doing that with my students, I would be a little bit afraid because I was afraid like somebody's not going to know how to do this. And what I quickly realized was, of course, you're right. Of course, Someone's not going to know how to do it, but that's okay, right? Um, It means sometimes it works and sometimes that does not, right? Austin, you seem comfortable with it and that it's something that you're you're used to and you're good at. What What advice might you give to a teacher who was a little bit worried about whether or not their students were capable of of working in this environment? Well, I know some teachers are have their mindset on having to complete assignments. This one specifically. You must do this. However, um, if teachers that are afraid of empowering students like that, um, they need to know about the possibilities of what can happen when they give students the choice. Like, uh, a student could create something that's absolutely amazing and you would have never thought possible and you could have new ideas you can give other students to complete an assignment. I think that's a really good point. You know, if, you know, there's a lot of sayings out there that I use to like explain to people. And one of them is, um, there's a principal who was at a school called the Science Leadership Academy. His name is Chris Lehman. And he says, if you give 30 kids an assignment and they all produce the same thing, that's not an assignment, it's a recipe, right? And they don't really know what they're doing. They're just following the steps. What I like about what you're saying is that you're, like, there are a lot of different ways to learn. And there are a lot of different ways to represent that learning. If I asked everybody to draw a picture, you'd all draw different pictures. And this is just a different learning picture where people are doing it in a way that's comfortable to them. And what I think is kind of cool then is that I know that there's some students of mine who aren't very good at writing. So they tend to focus on things like video and audio. There's some students of mine who are beautiful writers 
and they some have gone on to be authors and that's how they focus like they tend to focus on their gifts so when you make products when you get to create things what kind of stuff do you tend to create that kind of fits your personal style of learning i personally am not good at art i mean looks like a chicken put in uh, <laughs> put a pencil and decided to do like a dance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Austin, that is exactly how my art looks too. So we're brothers in that sense. So, but what I like to do is I like to go into Minecraft and, um, you know, build something in that in which I can put more detail into it, but, it put, but I can create in a way that I enjoy. Sure. Um, I actually put more effort into, you know, getting it done Say I could do it in pic collage, which is another app where you can take different photos and you can crop them down and you can doodle on it. But it's like a collage, but on your iPad. Right. Well, I think that's kind of cool because, you know, you have the, the technologies that you've gone and used. Were either of those things that your teacher suggested to you? Um, I learned Minecraft basically from my friends, but... right. Well, pit collage was originally from some of my teachers. Okay. And it's just one that kind of fit. So when you're in class and your teachers give you all these choices, I'm guessing, so for me, what was really important is that I provided everybody with something where they felt comfortable. And then they allowed people to go past those limitations. And what I learned is that most of the technology and tools that I was, you know, going around the country and sharing with teachers was things that my students were sharing with me saying, this helps me. This is a, a place that I feel comfortable. They're like environments. And it's like, it's like a room that you go into. Like some rooms, some environments just fit. So pit collage is one that works for you. Um, Minecraft is one that works for you. Well, for some other kids, pit collage doesn't work. And say some other kids, Minecraft won't work. Right. Still, in per- personalized learning and student choice, you give the kids to pick and choose how they complete it. Have you ever seen... Have you ever seen your classmates do an assignment that you would never have thought you could do, but then you realized, wow, they, they really pulled that off? Um, yeah, because like one of my classmates had, was doing a, an augmented, not an augmented, a virtual reality uh, setup, and they were building a cell. And I thought, how could you draw all the boundaries and all the organelles? And on the final product day, like he, it was all set up and you could like tour the cell. I had no idea how he did it because <laughs> I mean, I mean, it just, it just seemed very difficult for me with all the controls and having to press like specific buttons at the right time. Right. And virtual reality. Yeah. It, it, that sounds to me like something, if the teacher had said, Hey, we're going to build a cell. Um, that would have been impossible for some of the class, but because that one kid had the artistic ability and the idea, it's kind of cool that your teacher let them do that. And, and it sounds like they pulled it off because here's the thing that that student left you with an experience. You'll probably never forget. Oh yeah. I won't forget that. And I'll be able to share that in other stories. That is super, super cool. So, you know, one of the things I used to do, you can take this to your teacher and tell them that it's a suggestion that I like to make to teachers to challenge themselves. One of my assignments was at the end of the year, like fourth quarter, I'd tell them to go, tell my students to go back and as studying for the final exam that we had to give, look over all of the projects that we've done and study from the work that we did. And that 
I always thought that if people can go back and see the work that we did and it's like studying for the final exam, then we're doing it right. Right. Sometimes I feel like our lessons aren't the review sheet, but, but more specifically, I'd say you have to go and try to do one of the projects that somebody else did for this assignment and you steal somebody else's model. And that was kind of cool because people who'd never done videos, they knew that my grading for the product was a little bit easier at that point and that we'd have a lot more time to do it. It was kind of like, why don't you go off into a place that's not your comfort zone? So let me ask this. Because you do personalized learning, have you ever felt like I'm going to try this out even though I'm not sure how it's going to go because you have the freedom to, to try it? Or have you been pretty much sticking to places where you're comfortable right now? Well, I, yeah, I've had some instances where it was like that. Um, I, I did a Minecraft assignment, um, like the same cell project where the kid did the VR thing. I was in Minecraft and I basically built an actual city, like an, like an actual functioning city, not a cell, but like right. one of the buildings and like a theme park and everything. Yeah. And a power plant. And I translated how each of these things in the city functions like that of a cell. Right. So, so, oh, the city hall is like the nucleus. Um, the wall around the city is like cell membrane. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to get like a hundred or a zero. Right. I didn't know how's how's going to turn out. I didn't know if my teacher would be like, yeah, 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 or be like, no, you have to do it this specific way. Yeah. But, yeah. But- but I think that if you believe in what you're doing and if you like, Austin, I don't think there are a lot of people out there who, if you said I'm an artist and I work in Minecraft, they would want to say, yeah, Minecraft is a perfectly good medium of art, but you've convinced me today that that's very much the case. Right. And I think that sometimes when we talk about science or social studies or English, we, we, we tend to favor people who are either uh, really technical like science people or in social studies, they're fact people, or in English, they're really good writers. But it sounds to me like, you know, what you're doing is translating all of those subjects into a way that can be expressed in art, which kind of makes me want to ask a tangential question is, do you like art on its own? Like when you go to art class, do you find that that's something that you love? Or is it just that this expression through Minecraft has helped you to build this understanding of art? Physically painting a lot. I I don't want to, I'm not on that messy side of stuff. (laughs) And, you appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Like, I appreciate, like, old art. And, um, but I also, like, um, I'm impressed by how, in today's world, how, like, well, for example, again, Minecraft, you can build all these blocks. It can almost be like a mosaic. Because it's all these little tiny pieces that, when added up together eventually become this one great giant piece of art. So my daughter and I regularly go on learning adventures and we went to the Chicago uh, Art Institute. And I'm not sure if you've ever been to Chicago, but my hometown has a beautiful art museum. And one of the most famous paintings is this great, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's basically Sunday afternoon in the park. And it's made with dots. And it's a picture of like the turn of the century with dots. You can probably imagine it, right? And I sat there this time and all I could think is this is almost like what my son does with, with Minecraft where he'll build cities and then I won't know what he's doing. And then he goes, he zooms out and looks straight down on it. And from above, it looks like something 
really cool, right? I, I have a bunch of different questions. And as everything else, whenever I talk to our guests, my head spins with all of the cool things that you're saying and what it means. So it's been meaningful to you. And it seems to me like based on what your mom said earlier, that you have always been in this environment, right? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good, a pretty cool thing too, that there are students in our world today who've been living in that personalized uh, learning environment for such a long time. So what other, so then personalized learning is something that you absolutely care about. Can you think of any other students in your school who it's been meaningful to? Have, can you think of any other parts of um, your school doing this that you think are admirable that other schools should know about? My, well, my school, I don't think uh, any students want to be part of the driving force that changes it. But um, I think they appreciate the benefits of it, like of how it can be easier in their minds and not feel like a great hurdle. Okay. A little bit like your STEAM class has oh, done yeah. a good job of, as he said earlier, we do have a very diverse student population. And through the personalized learning, it's allowed us to add um, different pieces to our schools at a fairly rapid pace, such as when makerspaces started becoming kind of a thing, our schools were definitely at the forefront of adding those in uh, steam classes at multiple levels. Um, I, they let me come in and teach coding to our kindergartners. And so our kids, even though at home, they may not have as many opportunities, we try to expose them to as many things as possible uh, throughout their schooling in our district to where um, it really does give them opportunities to find those passions and uh, find areas that they may not have otherwise been exposed to that they could take on in their lives. Well, I definitely can feel that in what you're saying. When you talk about your schoolwork, I, I have always aspired as a teacher to have my students talk as positively about their schoolwork as you have about yours. There's one thing you just said I kind of want to go back to, though, because you just said it makes learn it makes the, the work easier. And I kind of feel like this. When you said that, all I could think is how much time it must have taken to build an or like a cell structure city, right? And I know that when I was in school, the only thing I ever did was draw that city. And I bet you there's a lot of schools across America where they're just drawing a city. But you built an entire Minecraft cell structure city. And that doesn't sound easier to me. It sounds way more involved and a lot more time consuming, but yet somehow you're really positive about it. So what do you think? Would you say that it's easier or is it just easier work to do? Um, I would, I would say that, um, well, it's easier. I mean, it, when you actually put it like that, when you're comparing it to art, it sounds like it's a lot more harder. Right. But, um, when it actually comes to me with some, some something that I like and work, I can actually basically be almost playing a game yeah. while playing the game, getting my assignment done. I mean, it's almost like procrastinating, except your procrastination is your assignment. <laughs> I totally get it. I think when you, when you said that, my first thought was sometimes the difficulty isn't the work. The difficulty is seeing value in the work. And bringing yourself to do it. Because every human being has choices about how they spend their time and what they do. And if you come home and you're excited about the work that you have to do, I bet you when you were doing those projects, you got off. I don't know if you get a ride home or if you take the bus or if you walk. But you came in and you started working right away. Yeah. Right? 
But I, I know for me, when I have an assignment that's not like that, where I have to work in a way that I'm not comfortable with or, or something, it, it makes me build a, a mental barrier. And um, it sounds to me like a lot of this project, when you can apply those things that you love, it removes that mental barrier completely and allows you to spend what has to be a lot more time immersing yourself, which is funny because you started talking about the cell structure and you've told me everything. I bet you right now you could tell me five parts of the cell structure of a cell just from your project because you know the analogy. Yeah. Give me five. uh, Mitochondria is basically the powerhouse of the cell. Uh, Nucleus uh, contains all the DNA and basically functions as the head of the cell. Um, Vacuoles, basically provide water and nutrients to the cell. The uh, cell wall is basically like um, the bodyguards of the cell that don't let anything go in and only uh, essential things in and remove waste. And uh, four, that's four? That's four, you have one more to find. Uh, Well, let's see. (laughs) Check this out, ready? Uh, Just picture your city, I bet you you come up with it. And uh, the cytoplasm in the cell basically holds everything together. You know, Austin, there, right there at that moment was probably the, the best thing you could have shown to people. How long ago did you do that project? Uh, that was in seventh grade, so last year. So a year ago, you studied the cell and you got the whole thing. That's pretty impressive. So Austin, I think you've done a really good job of representing why it was important to you. And after about five minutes of talking to you, I understood completely why ISTE might want you to come and talk again. And thank you because I think that um, sometimes we're so worried about how changing up classes is going to affect students that we, we get a little nervous about trying it. And you've shown me that like, there's some really good things that can come from trying out some new things in class. So um, thank you very much. And thank you to your mom, Amy, also for joining us today and, and being there. We really appreciate it. It's always good to, to have both sides of that story. Thank you so very much. So We've Been Thinking is sponsored by the EdTech Teacher Summit. Join EdTech Teacher in Boston November 5th through the 7th, featuring keynote speaker Dr. Diana Howard, whose career focuses on intelligent technologies that must adapt to and function within a human-centered world. For more information or to register for the conference, please go to ettsummit.org.